As we get ready for uh, this morning's message, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we just, uh, again, it's just so good to worship you. You are so good to us, Father. We, we just, uh, we cry out to you, a uh, God that cares for our needs and also, Father, heals us and restores us. And Father, we just, we, we submit ourselves to you. We want to listen to your word. Would you change us and transform us by your Holy Spirit, God? We just welcome you here to, to move on us this morning and that we would open your scriptures and that it would change us and mold us into more into your image, Lord. Father, for those that are sick or needing healing, we just pray for them and lift them up. And Lord, we, uh, we realize as we give back to uh, your church, Father, it's uh, just to equip all the gospel going forth. And that's what we pray for, for more of the gospel in this community, in this world, in this nation, Lord. We need you. We desperately need you. We know these are difficult times, and there is no other solution. We, uh, the world is trying to find it all over here, Father, but it, we are broken without you. And we need the redeeming blood of Jesus Christ. And so, Father, would you mold us and change us through, through the blood of Jesus? It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and pull them out. We're going to be in Acts chapter 10 this morning. Um, we've been in Acts uh, last week as well, Acts chapter 9, and we saw uh, Saul to Paul. That was incredible. Um, I want to encourage you to go back and read that chapter. It's really awesome to see Saul who was persecuting, going after uh, followers of Christ, and literally he gets blinded by the Lord. He meets the Lord. He gets humbled by the Lord. He's led in, in blindness to uh, to. Uh, this community, and then he's literally the scales are pulled away from his eyes. His life has changed. He he radically now loves the Lord. He's the same Paul that writes First Corinthians thirteen, all about love, because he's experienced the depth of love. So, friend, I just want you to know: if you ever feel like you're too far gone, you're too far from the love of Jesus, you're not. Okay, that's the story of Saul to Paul. He was persecuting. He thought he saw God, but he didn't really see what a relationship looked like until those scales came off. And so I pray that we would see that. Today, we're going to not see Paul as the, Peter's going to kind of come to the forefront, the main character in today's story. And we're going to see Peter kind of relating to this man saint named Cornelius. And I titled this um, feeling um, kind of, uh, you know, maybe average or common or ordinary. I don't know about you. Do you ever feel that way? <laughs> like you just don't stand out, you know, and maybe you've thought that about someone else. Boy, they're pretty average, right? We kind of allow that to creep in. Well, I got to tell you, I felt that way a lot growing up. You know, I played sports, but a lot of times I would make the basketball team and I'd ride that thing called the bench, right? And I would watch everybody else play and I'd cheer them on. I might get a few moments in there, but I didn't get a lot of playing time. I wasn't some a star. I ran cross country and track as well. And I ran four years. You'd think, you know, you'd really kind of move your way up. Well, I got to tell you, I spent about four years on this team called the C team, all right? And I made it up finally to the last two races to a JV race. And I got 10th place in a JV race and I was proud of it, but I was average, ordinary, and common. It's amazing how we can feel that about what we look at, maybe what we drive or where we live and the things that we have or the job that we have. We just don't stand out. We just kind of feel common and average. And you know, that's why I had a, uh, one of my kids um, loves trading cards and he goes through all the trading cards. He'll say common, 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 common. Ooh, here's one, right? Here's one that stands out because those other ones are worth three cents, not worth really even your time to look through. But that's how a lot of us feel today. 
And I want you to know, um, in, in high school, I really felt common and average because I don't know what you drove in high school, but I drove a, uh, about a 1970 blue, baby blue Ford Zephyr, okay? And that it, I'm telling you, the interior was also baby blue. So I'm telling you, I may have stood out, but maybe in the wrong kind of way. So it was, you know, those are how I felt. But we're, today we're going to look at, as we go through this passage in chapter 10, we're going to look at the first 34 verses. And we're going to look at who Cornelius was. And then, you know, Cornelius is going to have a vision. Peter's going to have a vision. And then they're going to be brought together. And we're going to see what God teaches us from this passage. And so if you have your Bibles, you want to follow along, we're in Acts chapter 10. I'm going to read the first eight verses and see Cornelius's vision. This is what it says. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was also known as the Italian cohort, a devout man who was a feared God with all of his household. He also gave alms generously to the people and prayed continuously to God. About the ninth hour of the day, that would have been about 3 p.m., he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come to him and say to him, Cornelius. And he stared at him in terror and said, what is it, Lord? And he said to him, your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. And now send um, men to Joppa, bring one uh, Simon who is called Peter. He's lodging right now with Simon a tanner in the house by the sea. And when the angel who spoke to him had departed, he called two of his servants and a devout soldier from among those who attended him. Having related everything to them, he sent them off to Joppa. So the first thing is, is who is Cornelius? Who is he? Well, let's look at him. He is a Roman centurion. What does that mean? He was over about a hundred different military men, okay? He was in the Roman army. He was also a Gentile. He was probably very educated, probably a leader since he got placed in this place as a centurion and he guided these men through battle. So he was a Gentile. What do we know about Gentiles? Gentiles and Jews did not hang out together. They wouldn't even associate with each other. Some of the commentaries I read about, you know, the, Gent the Jewish women wouldn't even help a Gentile woman in childbirth because they didn't want another Gentile to be brought into the world. I mean, that's how much they disdained each other. But he was a Gentile. He also, in this passage, we learn from Luke that he feared God. What does that mean? He was a Gentile that had basically said, I'm done with all these other gods. These other gods are empty. It's, it's, I don't want to follow them anymore. He had been committing resources to them. He said, oh, I'm done with that. And he decided to go into the synagogues and hear the scriptures read. And so he worshiped in the synagogues. The synagogues, this is how they worked. They had the first area, which would have been the high priest. They would have been in there. And then there's two other areas after that. There was one for Jewish men, and then there was one for the Jewish women. And after that, in the outer courts would have been this place for the Gentiles that maybe were intrigued and wanted to come and hear the scriptures, but were not circumcised. Well, that's where he was. He was hanging out. We know that he feared God. The other thing it says is he gave alms to the poor. And it says he gave generously. So he cared. He was kind. He was compassionate to his fellow man who didn't have a lot. So we saw him making commitments and using his resources to take care of others. Uh, and so that was incredible. The third thing we learned about him in that passage is that he prayed continually, okay? He prayed, even though he didn't know who he was praying to, he still prayed out to God. 
And I, I think we see that today, don't we? When people get into a really tough spot and they're in a, you know, maybe a surgery's coming up and they'll say, hey, you know what, would you pray for me? Or God, if you're out there, would you, you know, heal me or restore me or help me through this? You know, and I've seen this a lot of times on Facebook. Maybe you've seen it too, where people say, hey, if you could send me, I have a surgery coming up today. Could you send me some good vibes or some good feelings and send me some prayers or whatever, you know, you believe in? That's kind of what we say. That's what he's kind of doing. He's praying, but he doesn't even really know the God he's praying to yet. And so he has this vision about the ninth hour, which would have been about 3 p.m. in the afternoon. And he says to send soldiers to find Peter, Simon Peter. Now he says Simon Peter is hanging out where? He's living right now, staying with Simon the Tanner. Tanner. Do you know what Simon the Tanner did? A tanner did? A tanner means that you worked with uh, dead animals. You would take their skins and their hides and you'd work them into something valuable and you would kind of use them and then you would make them, it'd usually be by the sea because they would have dead animals come in off the ship and then they would, you know, kind of turn the leather hides into something valuable and usable. Then they'd send them back on the ships to be sold for the highest value. And so he worked with dead animals. Guess what? Jews should not be around anybody that would touch something unclean, a dead animal. And so Simon Peter is already staying at Simon the Tanner's house. And so God is already orchestrating and moving in this vision. And so we see that. Now we're going to go for the next couple verses, 9 through 16. We're going to see a vision that Peter has. So if you have your Bibles, continue on with me. This is what it says. The next day, as they were on a journey approaching the city, <clears throat> Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. Now, this would have been common. That's where they would have often gone to pray. The rooftops were mostly flat, so they would go up there in, the, in certain times during the day and pray. This was about noon when Peter goes up there. And he became hungry, and he wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance and saw the heavens opened up and something like a great sheet descending, being let down by the four corners upon the earth. And in it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, By no means, Lord, for I've never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice came to him again a second time, What God has made clean do not call common. This happened three times, and the thing that was taken up at once to heaven. Now, here's what I want us to see about this vision that's going on with Peter. He's up on this rooftop, and it would have been a common place to pray. He has this vision of animals, all kinds of animals, reptiles, and these animals would have been clean and unclean. And he knows that for a Jewish man, he was never to eat anything that wasn't kosher or clean or, you know, right and had been properly prepared. And so he said, when they said, the voice says, hey, rise, Peter, kill and eat. He says, no way, Lord, no way. I've never had anything unclean, Lord. I will not do that. And so he has this vision to clean, but then this voice says to him and the Lord says to him, hey, wait a second, Peter. What God has made clean, do not call unclean. Do not call common. Do not call average. And that was incredible that Peter just receives this vision. And did you catch something there? It happens two more times. 
You know, he has to get Peter's attention. Do you ever have the Lord kind of leading you and speaking to you about something? You feel like the Lord said, hey, maybe I'm calling you to serve here or give here or go care for this person or encourage this person. And God just kind of lays it on your heart. What do we sometimes do? Sometimes we step back and we say, well, I'll do that later. <laughs> I've got to, we just kind of go on with our day and then we forget about it and we don't really serve the Lord. Sometimes God's got to get our attention and God had to get the, Peter's attention. He gives him this vision three times over and over. Don't call that, you know, common. Don't call what I have made clean uncommon. Don't, you know, do that, Peter. And he kind of gives him this vision. It's very powerful. We need to listen to God's word and what he instructs us to do and when he calls us to do it right away. So Peter has this vision, and uh, God lays out this vision for him. Peter doesn't fully understand it yet. He's going to kind of wrestle with it. So now Peter's going to meet the, the messengers that Cornelius sent. Cornelius, remember, he sent those three people along with him uh, to go and get Peter back. And this is what happens. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to read in verses 17 through 23. It says, Now while Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what the vision had, he had seen might mean, Behold, the men who were sent to Cornelius, having made inquiry for Simon's house, stood at the gate and called out to ask whether Simon, who was called Peter, was lodging there. They're like, Peter, are you in there? And that's what they're calling out for. And while Peter was pondering the vision, again, he's thinking about that vision. He, he says, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation, for I've sent them. And Peter went down to the men and said, I'm the one you're looking for. What is the reason you are coming? And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man who is well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation was directed by the holy angel to send for you to come to his house and to hear what you have to say. You, uh, so he invited them in to be his guests. Here's what happens. The Holy Spirit instructs Peter, hey, you are to go down and go with them. He's, he, Peter's pondering, what does this vision mean? These three guys show up, shout up, Peter, are you there? And God gives him a vision. Hey, Peter, you need to go with these three guys. You can trust them. So he goes down and says, I'm the one you're looking for. But here's the interesting thing. In verse 17 and 19, Peter keeps thinking about that vision. He keeps wondering, God, what are you trying to tell me? And yet he still goes with them quickly. He says, go down to them without hesitancy. And he goes down immediately. So while he's thinking about what God's trying to teach him, he immediately goes down and obeys. And friend, that's a lesson for us. When God calls us, we need to respond. We should respond immediately. And as he calls, we walk and you want me to do this, Lord, I'll do it. And we, when we do it quickly, when we respond quickly, God uses it powerfully in others' lives and our life as well. And we see Peter respond. So now we're going to wrap this up and Peter's going to meet with Cornelius. Peter's going to go with these guys and meet with Cornelius. So I'm going to read 23 through 34. This is what it says. The next day he rose and went away with them, and some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied him. And on the following day they entered Caesarea, and Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. I think this is kind of and it's interesting. Cornelius sent these three men off that you're supposed to go find Simon Peter, and he says he expected them. 
He expects that God's going to reveal to Simon Peter that you're going to come and tell us the message that we need to hear. And so he actually had called them at a certain day, at a certain time, a certain hour. He had called his friends and his family. He filled the room expecting that Simon Peter would come. And this is what takes place. And Peter, it says, um, it says he, in verse... Um, the next day he rose and went away with them, the brothers, and on the following day he entered Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them, and together they called with his relatives and close friends. When Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. Why would anybody fall down at their feet and worship someone? They did that out of reverence and awe for, for God. That's when they would do it. And so Peter knows, hey, wait a second, I'm just a man. I'm not, I'm not God. I'm just a man who's got a message for God. And that's what he, he, goes, he's, he calls him out and says, but Peter lifted him up in verse 26 saying, stand up, I too am a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many persons gathered. And he said to him, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or visit anyone of another nation. He says, you know we shouldn't even be hanging out. You know a Jew wouldn't even come and give you the time of day as a Gentile. You, you know that we shouldn't even, it's unlawful lawful for us to even talk. But God, and I pray that you have had a but God moment in your life. You feel like you're walking some way and like, God, I'm doing this for you. And But God changes the whole script. God's about to change the whole New Testament, okay? That now it's not the gospels just for the Jewish people. It's for the Gentiles and for the nations and for the world. And he's about to totally open our eyes to that. It says, but God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So I was sent for, and I came without objection. Again, he came without objection. He just followed the Lord. He just did what God asked him to do immediately. And as, I'm, as I asked then, why have you sent for me? Peter's like, so why am I here? You know, he shows up to this house full of people and this room full of people. He's like, why am I here? And in verse 30, and Cornelius said, four days ago, about this hour, I was praying in my house at the ninth hour, 3 p.m., and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your alms have been remembered before God. Send, therefore, uh, to Joppa and ask for Simon, who is called Peter. He's lodging with Simon the Tanner by the sea. So I sent for you at once, and you have been kind enough to come. Now, therefore, we are all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly, I understand that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. Friend, God shows no partiality. Peter had to learn that. God had to show it to Peter. God had to show it to Cornelius that he was open to the gospel. The whole room had to learn. Friend, you are a child of God. Do you understand that? Every one of you, the person to your right, the person to your left is a child of God and valuable. Everyone that walks in here is valuable in the Lord's eyes. 
And we need to know that a lot of times we can kind of think, oh, those people don't act like me. They don't talk like me. They don't look like me. They don't drive what I drive. You know what, friend? That's wrong. We need to realize that they are valuable to the Lord Jesus, just like, you know, Peter saw Cornelius. Oh, he opened his eyes. That's what you were meaning, Lord, that the God shows no partiality, and he had to get through. So a couple takeaways that I want us to have just as we kind of wrap up this morning. I want you to have, I've got four takeaways for you that we can kind of apply from this message. The first thing I want you to see is that God speaks when we pray. Do you know that God speaks when we pray? A lot of times we pray, and sometimes we pray at night, and we kind of do it as a check mark. We do it real fast. We kind of lay our prayer requests out there. God, help me here, restore this, do this. But friend, God gets a hold of us, and he speaks to us. Did you understand? In, in, in verse 9, uh, Peter gets the message and the vision while he's praying. In verse 30, it says Cornelius was praying when the, when the Lord spoke to him. So guys, friends, how is your prayer life? Are you speaking to the Lord? I pray as we enter a new school year, a new fall, a new season, that we would be people that seek the Lord. Wake up in the morning, give Him your heart, talk to Him, allow Him to minister to you. Because when we pray, God often uses those times for breakthrough in our lives. He breaks down things that he says, oh no, you might need to work on this. You might need to change this. You might need to correct that thinking here. You need to be refreshed here. That's what God does. I got to tell you just a number of weeks ago, I felt like I was you know, heading this direction. God says, no, no, I want you to listen to about going this direction. He speaks to us when we pray. So friends, I would call on the Lord, cry out to him. May we be people who pray. Because God speaks when we pray. We clearly see that in this passage. The other thing is, is sometimes we don't have the clear vision about where God's taking us. You might be saying, God, is this where you got me going? Is this where you, and you're not real clear. What do you do when things are a little bit uncomfortable? Here's what you do. You keep on serving the Lord. The whole time, you serve the Lord. You keep on. That's what we see, you know, Peter doing. He, do you see in verse 17? And 19, Peter, it says, is grappling with the vision. He's like, why is that sheet? What's that, you know, about the animals? Why are you calling me out on this, Lord? He's grappling with this vision. He doesn't fully understand yet, but still he's serving. He's responding. God says, go with these people. He goes. God, you know, that's what he does. It would have been incredible to see, you know, Peter just kind of serving the Lord. What do we do? When we don't have complete clarity, God's still kind of bringing it together, kind of defining what he has for you, you serve. Get involved in your, serve your family for the name of Jesus Christ. Serve your church body for the name of Christ. Serve the people at your workplace and the people in your schools for the name of Jesus Christ. That's what we do. We keep on serving this clear example of what Peter did. The third thing I want you to take away is that sometimes... We need to be open and hospitable to other people because you never know who needs to hear and know about Jesus Christ. So we need to be building intentional relationships. Some people would call it evangelistic hospitality. Peter went into Cornelius's house, okay? Could you imagine they knew the laws that Gentiles and Jews do not hang out? And they called for Peter. Could you imagine that whole room when Peter walked across that threshold of that house? Whoa, he's here. He's listening to the Lord. He's got a message for us. It, you know, they wanted to hear from him at that point. Also, do you understand when those messengers that Cornelius sent to, the, to see Simon Peter, 
it says he welcomed them into his house. He says they didn't leave till the next morning if he caught that. So that means he invited them in. He welcomed them in. Friends, who are we building relationships with intentionally? How can we use our homes to welcome others that need to know about the love of Jesus? How can we be involved in their lives in such a way that we're going to coffee shops, that we're getting to build the relationships with them? Who is it that God's establishing relationships? I'm telling you, it can even be on the sidelines of a, a sporting event. You can be with those parents and building relationships that God wants to maybe use because when they recognize that you care for them, then they'll want to hear what your life's about. And then you can tell them about Jesus Christ. You can tell them, hey, let, friend, let me tell you, let me pray for you because God's going to move some mountains in your life. I, I pray that God's going to open your eyes to the good news of Jesus Christ. And so you can build relationships. So who are you building relationships with? And the final thought, there's the main point of this passage is, is friend, that you are not common and that you are to be also viewing others as not common or average, that you are a child of God. Peter has these two incredible statements in verse 28 and 34. It says, but God has shown me that I should not call any persons common or unclean. And Peter's mouth opened in verse 34 and says, truly I understand that God shows no partiality. Friend, we are not to look at others as some average, ordinary, common. They're not worth the grace of God. Everybody that walks through those doors is a child of God. And they are worthy of his love. And they have his love. He loves them. He, he knows them and knit them together in his womb. Every one of these children of God. And so, friend, I want to tell you that we need to look into everyone as the image bearers of Jesus Christ. And I pray, friend, you know, sometimes why we struggle with this is because we don't feel very valuable and we see others as not very valuable is because we're looking at value the wrong way. We look at value about created things. We can create some pretty awesome stuff, really nice cars, really nice houses. We see, you know, this is really valuable. We can make ourselves look really good. But the thing is, that's not the real value. Our value should always be in our creator, in our heavenly father. So friend, if you want to see value in other people, you look to your heavenly father and you will see because he says you are valuable and he loves you and wants you to know that you have an awesome relationship with him. This morning as we close, I just want to read you a couple verses. These verses are about who God says you are according to scripture. And so you might, you can just take a picture or screenshot this or whatever you want to do, but I want to read these verses to you real quickly as we close. This is from Ephesians 2, 4 and 5. It says, but God, rich in mercy because of his great love, you know, which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together in Jesus Christ. Deuteronomy 7, 9 says, know therefore that the Lord, your God, is God, and he is a faithful God, keeping his covenant to love thousands of generations. Romans 5, 8 says this, but God demonstrates his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jeremiah 1.5, I love this. Before, uh, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. 1 Peter 2.9 says, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, you are God's special possession. 
Do you feel common or average or ordinary today? You are God's special possession that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. And 1 John 3.1 says, See what great love the Father has lavished upon us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. You remember when the prodigal came back and the father was just waiting on the porch looking and he came back from his party and squandered his life? This is Luke 15, 20. He says, And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him and ran and embraced him and kissed him. That's what our father wants to do to every one of us today. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. You know, and it says, the life I now live in the body, I live by faith through the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. And 1 John says this, I love because he first loved us. We can be extenders of his power, his love, because we know the love of the Heavenly Father through Jesus Christ. And Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and to give you a hope and a future. That's what we have. That's what the God, you know, you are not average. You are not ordinary. Maybe God needed to call Peter out. Maybe he needs to call us out that we think, ah, oh, that person's not worthy of the grace of God. Friend, if that's true, may we see that there is nobody who is common or average or ordinary whom God has restored. May we call brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen. Amen. Let's, let's pray. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can come before you, and you are good, God. You are so good, and you love us, and you renew us. And Father, I pray that we would go deep in your love. And Father, for anyone that's struggling, Father, or hurting because they feel average or ordinary, Lord, that they would remember they are a child of the King. And Father, you'd remind us of that. Father, I pray that we would see our value not in stuff of this world, stuff that's made and created by our Creator, but in you, Lord. And our creator, we worship you and you are holy, you are righteous and we lift up your name. So Lord, change us and move us like you did Peter and Cornelius and how you brought the gospel to that household. Lord, may we be willing to cross the, de the, the threshold of those doors that may be difficult for us so that many more can know a relationship with Jesus Christ. Lord, use us and use this body. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hear the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Have a blessed week.